What's up, guys? This is At The Line. Today, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. A Spurs four-game losing streak. We preview the Grizzlies game with the Mo from the Strictly Grizzness podcast. Talk about the Pal trade request, and we take your questions from Twitter. This is At The Line. At The Line is part of the Pulse Podcast Network. For more podcasts like ours, visit PulsePodcastNetwork.com. Or you can download the app in the App Store or on the Google Play Store today. I am Ty Yeager. That is... What's up, everybody? It's Mac. I was going to say, you guys say your name, buddy. <laughs> How the hell do they know who you are unless they've heard us before? <laughs> All right, but we we got not too much to talk about, but we got plenty of talk about, I would say. Because we got Spurs losing the last three. And one game wasn't even close. Yeah, it's been a rough uh, stretch of games, so we'll probably just knock it out real quick. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so the Spurs had played three games. Let's go ahead and get started on that real quick. So first, the Spurs played on Wednesday night against the Warriors, which was a 141-102 loss. That was essentially the Warriors played our bench slash tire and third stringers for majority of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Uh, I know that people were like, oh my god, they got blown out, but, you know, everybody knew Pop was already waving the flag to begin with. Pop, this is one of those um, scheduled losses, because in the very beginning, when we got the injury report, you know, it had LaMarcus out, it had DeMar Rosen out, and then that's when we found out about this crazy, weird, um, or all of a sudden injury that Derek White has, that heel soreness. Or the plantar fasciitis. So, um, yeah, it's it was one of those schedule losses that Pop was like, you know what? And not to mention, it was the start of the back-to-back. So Pop was like, I'm not even going to worry about this. I'm just going to go ahead and chalk it up to a loss, and then you know we'll take it from there. So, you know, the, even especially the second half, you saw our third stringers in. And, you know, Quincy Pondexter got a lot of runtime. Lonnie Walker got a lot of runtime. Chimezi got a lot of long time, um, got a lot of log time on there. So, yeah, it was it was a schedule loss. Yeah. So, good news is we got twenty six minutes of Lonnie Walker. Bad news, he went zero for ten <laughs> with a negative twenty. I want to say negative twenty seven on the plus minus. However, the thing that I saw was we saw some good flashes of his playmaking abilities, where he would have had like five assists, but he only got one because everyone could not shoot for shit this whole game. Essentially, you know, it wasn't even it was like I said, it wasn't even his fault. The I, I mean, you look at our third stringers and you see you see how many minutes they logged, like the most minutes that any of our third or any of the the, the bench guys logged was 31 minutes from Dante Cunningham. And he was at a negative 32. And then Lonnie Walker, um, you know, with the with the 26 minutes and he was at a negative 27. So. All of our bench guys, literally all of our bench guys were in the negative. Nobody played well. Even our starters, nobody played well, but they didn't have too many minutes or like they, they normally log in. So it was just an overall frustrating game. Um, I think the biggest highlight of it all was, um, you know, Derek White being out. And so that completely threw off everybody's, everybody's game. It was just, it was, it was horrible. Um, it, it really shows, and we'll get to this later, but it really shows how valuable Derek White is to our rotation. I will say, at least no uh, Warrior player got above 30 points. So that's always a win. 
But, but yeah, the bench third stringers got a lot of minutes. I think it was good that Lonnie got a lot of minutes. Eubanks got twenty one minutes too, and he was three for three, but with a ne- with a negative thirty three of team high. You know what? The overall general reaction I saw from from Twitter in regards to Lonnie was what everybody should have known from the very beginning. This is there's a reason why the G League exists, and it's because some of these players are not ready. Exactly, especially. You know, you're one and done guys. You know, I think I think Derek White did it the best. And, and this is just, I guess, the old curmudgeon in me that likes to see a, a player develop, you know, at least in the collegiate level. And I think he matures in the collegiate level. But you saw Derek White go through his four years at Colorado State and then him get drafted. And then he even developed some more in the G League. And it's done him wonders. I mean, he's... He's been amazing this entire year for us. Last year, you know, he showed flashes of, of this. And this year, he's been that that third piece, that that part of that tripod that we needed. The go-to, and so, the go-to defender of the whole team. Right, exactly. Like, he's just... And then his basketball IQ. Like, he knows the game on such a cerebral level. It's amazing. And um, we see these one-and-done one and guys, you know, like Lonnie and, and a lot of these other co- um, college players that still haven't developed that mentality um or that iq and awareness of the game um but again it's all going to come it's all going to come come with time and so the good thing is he did log in minutes so you know he's getting that experience that he needs and that's that's essentially what we need and um you know yeah unfortunately he had to go negative 26 he had to play against the warriors but he did it i mean at least again he got those minutes that he needed yeah and then just add on that Lonnie's kind of doing the same path that DeJounte and Derek took before him where they developed the first season was in the D was in the D league G league now. And then the second league, they blow, they blow up and become really great players. We saw in DeJounte, we're seeing Derek white. And so if the pattern continues, which is most likely we're going to see Lonnie become this next season, which is going to be pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think, like I said, going back again, that's essentially what everybody thought from the very beginning. I know there's there's a lot of um, there was a lot of fire for him saying like hey he needs to get some run especially because our team is is lacking in certain areas but you know I think this game this game was good and bad for him it was good because he got that run that he needed and everybody saw like okay he still needs some development but at the same time you know going against the Golden State Warriors I guess if you keep that in the back of your head like okay this is the best team in the league but um, going against the Warriors has got to be kind of disheartening like. Holy shit, they dropped 140 on us. But again, like I said, I think, you know, if you take that into perspective and say, look, this was the best team in the league and they're playing, you know, lights out, you know, you can't be too hard on yourself as a rookie. Also, they were, I think this is BS, but they were playing their top, they're starting five against the five third stringers. And I thought that was a bit iffy. I was just say all their top five, I mean, racked up almost 30 minutes. So yeah, as opposed to our guys who played 10 minutes less, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, they oh. were definitely running up the score, but it's okay. It is what it is. But guess what? We still have the most points in the league in a single game at 156, so I do not care. <laughs> All right, going on to the next game. It was, we played the Trailblazers in the second game of back-to-back, and that resulted in a 127-118 loss. It was a more competitive game, but still resulted in a loss because of the defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and that was a pretty good game from the very beginning. I think we saw the rise of DeMar, like... We saw DeMar come back and absolutely beast that game. And he did great. You know, he had 35 points. 
off of 28 shots, shooting, um, you know, 50%. So, and he was almost perfect from the free throw line. He was seven for eight. He did what he needed to do, and he kind of went, he kind of turned back the clock to how he was in the beginning of the season. Um, unfortunately, you know, not everybody else kind of helped out and pitched in. Um, so it was, it was a losing effort. The defense is looking really, really, really bad without Derek. I mean, we don't have any perimeter or very good perimeter defenders. We have two guards that are six foot. Um, and then, you know, we have, we have Marco Bellinelli who, yeah, he's six, four, six, five, whatever, but you know, he's really old and lost a step. So it's just all our wing, all our wing defenders are non-existent and, and that's hurting us. And looking at the stats for the game, it, First, the defense isn't already that great without Derek. And then if you add on that the Spurs bench can't get into the game either in scoring, which has been a lifesaver for throughout the whole season, they're screwed. Because you cannot you cannot carry off the backs of DeMar and Rudy. Who DeMar scored 35, Rudy scored 25. Although we got to talk about Rudy's third quarter where he went five or six from three in, this, in a single quarter. Yeah, he went absolutely nuts. And I think if Rudy had not played the way he played that game, we would have been in a much worse position. Um, and so uh, Rudy's just been a consistent, consistent dude. He's every game he's given it his all and he's shown us that he can still ball. So hopefully, you know, this next coming season, they do sign him to like a three year, 10 million, three year, $12 million contract, something just in the middle of, of, of the ballpark. And he continues you know, and eventually retires as Spur. I know, I know some people are probably not going to agree with that, but at least, you know, he showed that he can play consistently even with his, you know, even after coming back from his injury. Yeah, it was a, last season when the Spurs signed him. It was a big surprise. I thought it was a big surprise for me because it's it was a, it was a questionable call too. Where, all right, this is coming off a torn ACL. Was it ACL or Achilles? I always get the two mixed up. No, it was an ACL. Yeah, it's because it because Boogie's a, was it Achilles? Uh, no, Rudy Boogie's was a, ACL too. <laughs> who the hell had Achilles then? What the hell? Who the hell am I thinking of? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> All right, so ACL. So he's coming off a torn ACL, and people were questioning: Is he going to have that explosiveness? Is he is he going to be the Rudy that he's been? That he was known to be in Memphis, and he the first season was kind of that coming back one, the rehab season. But this season he's blowing he's blowing up, and he's been re a reliable go to guy in this whole season. The big three, some people consider Lamarcus. DeRozan and Derek, because it's just Derek's versatility on the defense. But Rudy's that is that number three option to me because he can he can just go off scoring some nights and be a reliable go to guy. Yeah, absolutely. I honestly think that that's true. Also, um, I don't think Derek has. I mean, don't get me wrong. Derek has definitely been uh, huge, huge for us. But I don't think he's at that point where we can consider him like a big three yet. Um, but I guess obviously now after seeing these road trips, maybe, <laughs> maybe he might be that solid three player. I, I was, uh, I wouldn't say he's a solid three, but he's definitely the MVP of this year's team. Just cause before he, before he started for the team, we were suffering. That was the November month where Spurs were horrid that whole November month. And then when he came back, they went off in December and had the best, best ratings in the league. And then add on that they still went on strong into January. And February was fairly strong until he went down. Right. No, yeah, you're right. And and I, I agree. He's probably the MVP of of 
of the Spurs season just because how valuable he's been. Because um, he can do it all. Like I said, he can distribute. He can he can run the offense. He can shoot the three ball. He can defend. You know, pretty much the one two, um, one two, maybe even three spot. I say even three because of his of his size. Right, right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He can defend multiple positions. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I think he. And then, I mean, uh, honestly, we see it. You know, like you said in the very beginning, we were horrible. And then once he started taking those minutes, you know, from from Bryn, um, as the as a starting point guard, he showed us exactly what Pop wanted everybody to see from the very beginning and why we drafted him over Jordan Bell. And then, you know, going back when we lost him, it wasn't very good. And then, you know, he came back and we've been doing great. So it's, it's been up and down for him, but I think he's definitely been the most valuable player that we've needed. All right. And, and like I said, the defense defense isn't, isn't there. And then add on that bench can't score. That doesn't help the team at all. And then going to the, to the last game where we are recapping, it was against the Jazz where the Spurs had a 125 to 105 loss. This game, this game was a bit of a mixed bag to me, where they did have flashes and then at times it didn't. They did shoot 44 percent from the field, 45 if you round up the point nine. However, they still did not have Derek, and they also did not have Rudy, which I want to say it was an ankle injury, if I believe right. Yeah. So add on that you don't have a defense. Then add on that you take your number three option in Rudy, and you don't have Derek White who's defending, who could defend Donovan Mitchell. That does not help your team in any f- sort of fashion. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely an ugly game for the Spurs. Donovan Donovan Mitchell went, you know, he got twenty three points. His field goal rating wasn't very good. He was nine for twenty two, but two for nine for three. Jeez. Yeah, but you know what? If 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 you continue to pour it in like that, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna score points somehow, some way. So, but he still had a pretty impressive stat line. Like I said, he had the twenty three points, five assists, five or three steals, um, and so and then five rebounds. So, I think the biggest problem, the biggest issue with the Spurs was their their turnovers. You know, Demar had four turnovers, Marco had two turnovers. So a total, they had nine turnovers that just did not help them. And I think that was also um, one of the or one of the issues in every game these past three games is their turnovers. Uh, Demar had some really uncharacteristic turnovers of him trying to drive the basket and then jumping up, you know, trying to maybe do a quick layup, but then he for some reason brings it back down. Maybe he doesn't get a good look or he thinks it's going to get blocked, but he tries to pass out and kick out, and it's not a very clean pass, and so easy, you know, easy steal and score. Um, and that was, you know, prevalent in the Portland game and then the Jazz game, but in the Golden in the Golden State Warrior game, at the very beginning, I mean, there were the Spurs were just making some really terrible decisions with the ball, and uh, everybody was just being really lackadaisical with it, and they ended up, you know, having a pretty horrible turnover game that game. There's 18 turnovers um, on that game, which is ridiculous. 18 turnovers in that game, another 18 turnovers in the Portland game. And then finally, they started taking care of the ball a little bit better um, in the Jazz game with nine. But even still, that's that's horrible. Um, you know, the Spurs are are that team, are, are probably the top team, if not the top team, and, that takes care of the ball. And they didn't do it these past three games. And then you add on that the Jazz just beat them up on the inside, fifty-two rebounds compared to the Spurs thirty-six. 
in defensive rebounds, the Jazz had 43. The Spurs only had 31. They were just killing them Jesus. on the killing them on the boards to kill them inside. Especially when you have a guy like Rudy Gobert, where you Rudy is a defensive mastermind, but he did get snubbed by Lamarcus. But that's not that's not the point. <laughs> but uh, it, it wasn't even a snub. Clay Thompson is the snub. Oh, definitely. Because Clay Thompson only played recently. All right, we're, we're going to get back away from that. <laughs> but the. Uh, the Spurs were getting beat up on the inside, and it didn't help them at all. And but somehow the only person that was a positive positive plus minus was Powell at plus one. Yeah, but he only played seven minutes. So, but <laughs> this is where my argument of you're you need another inside presence. It's I know that your guard play is you have plenty of guards, but you need a guard and wing player that can defend. But you also could use a, another option on the inside on the inside floor. Your only two big men really for the Spurs are Lamarcus and Jakob. That's about it. Maybe right. Dante, maybe uh, ma- maybe Davis because of their height. But Davis does not play have an inside game. He's a shooter, and Dante doesn't get the minutes. That's where you need to go to the buyout market where you have Ennis on the buyout market. Wave pound pick up Ennis. It gives you a good inside option who can clean the boards. On nights like this, where the inside the team with the bigger men are just going to kick your ass. Yeah, and I think um, over the past past few years, we've seen it with the Spurs, where um, they don't have that huge physical interior presence, and it, it does hurt them on some games. Like for example, whenever they go up against um, um, right off the bat, like an OKC game, um, you know, OKC versus the Spurs. I know Lamarcus dropped fifty six on Stephen Adams. But that's besides the point. Um, but Stephen Adams is their only big inside guy there, that there is there. And yeah, some, but but even but ahead. even then, at that point, you know he covers the inside so well, and it's hard to if it wasn't for Lamarcus Aldridge, nobody else would be able to drop points inside because because of his presence. And that's that's what I'm getting. At. That's what I'm alluding to is he just takes up so much of that paint because of his size and his length. Um, you know, it's that he's a physical presence there and it kind of doesn't make, it doesn't make people want to want to go in there. Um, it's kind of, it was this, it's the same thing with, you know, how Tim Duncan used to play. Tim Duncan was just, even though he wasn't as fast as he was, he would still, you know, swap balls out from nowhere. Um, and he was just that physical presence underneath the basket. And, you know, they were able to spread out the, the defense on the, on the perimeter because of him. So yeah, I, they're definitely, the Spurs are definitely missing that interior presence for sure. All right, so rounding that up, the Spurs are on a four-game losing streak as a result. They dropped to the seventh seed, which this could be entering danger mode because whenever you, once you fall outside from the seventh seed, you're only a game and a half ahead of the next two next two teams, which are the Clippers and the Kings, and the Kings are outside of it at the ninth seed. So you need Spurs must be in panic mode. Not I want to say too much of panic since they do have the All Star break coming up. But you still need to be aware that your seating is dropping with all with every single game that you play. You the seating, you could easily drop out of the playoffs if you drop one one too many games now. No, I think I think you're absolutely. I think you're you're kind of underestimating that. And I think it is at this point right now. It's it's all about, um, you know, it's hands on deck, DefCon Five type thing. Because you're right, they can go down. And lose these games, and this rodeo road trips definitely hurt them already. I mean, they went from the fourth seed all the way down to the seventh, um, and they don't look like they're they're doing very well. So this could hurt them in the long run. 
and this they need to understand that that these games, especially the games that they lost in the beginning of the season that they could have won, that they played down to these teams, is going to affect them. And then also these tiebreakers that they're losing to these teams is going to affect them. And so I think at this point right now, they need to wake up and they really need to have a come to Jesus moment and realize that it's not going to be good. You know, if if they don't, if the Spurs continue to play the way they've, they've been playing and they don't shape up, then the Spurs are not going to be a playoff team. And and there's a lot of speculate or there's a lot of people thinking about that already. Like, holy crap, you know, there's that possibility. It's a very high possibility that the Spurs will not be in the playoffs. And that's just that's mind boggling to think. I mean, 20 it's been 20 years since the last time that, you know, they haven't been been in the playoffs. And that's nerve wracking, absolutely nerve wracking to some people, myself included. To ease up so. everyone's stress at the moment, though, the one team that is out, the two teams that we're going up against now are the King, are the Kings. The Kings are pretty good, but the other team is the Clippers, and they trade away ba- essentially everyone. So we might have it. I think I want to say don't completely ease up, but also be glad, just be happy that we're not on a 17 game losing streak like the Knicks or a 14 game losing streak like the Suns. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think you never you'll never see the Spurs do that. And, well, yeah, I, I mean, I. Yeah, we can't, we can't, we can't lose focus of. I guess what it essentially comes down to is we can't lose focus of of, of our goal. If our goal is to make the playoffs, if our goal is to try to make a push, um, or or continue, and it doesn't even matter about the streak. But if our goal, if our goal always is to make the playoffs and have a chance at making you know a run at the championship, you have to get into the playoffs. You exactly. cannot not get into the playoffs. That's that's the number one goal: playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. And so at this point right now. It just it, it looks like that um, goal is becoming ever farther than than what we hope. Yeah. So. So. All right. So when we come back, though, we're gonna have we're gonna preview the one game that we do have the Spurs do have going into this next week, and that's gonna be the Grizzlies tomorrow night. But we will be talking with Mo from the Strictly Grizzness podcast back here on At the Line. Hey guys, have you ever listened to At The Line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast? Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor, and this is what we use here at The Line. Fun. It's absolutely free to use, and guess what? I know some of our hosting websites, they cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free. And there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do what what do I put? How do I get this? It's so confusing. Anchor, although, makes it easy for you. And they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it? You can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place. So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast. 
All right, and we're here back at the line. Now, today we got Mo from the Strictly Grizzness podcast. Did I say that right? Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Sweet. So, this this is the uh, latest podcast to join the Pulse Podcast Network. He is Mo's podcast, Strictly Follows the, Gr- the Grizz, as the title says. But since the Spurs will be going up against the Grizzlies on Tuesday night, we, we need to kind of preview them. And the last time we... We played the Grizzly. The Spurs played the Grizzlies. I want to say that was back in November. Uh, Spurs and Grizzlies played actually just just recently. Uh, let me pull it up. Well, the the most memorable game was, was that November matchup where yeah the Grizzlies yeah, kind of got away with one. I'm not gonna lie, that was definitely the cheapest way to win a game. <laughs> um, so we could put an ash like a you know a little mark next to that or something, but. <laughs> But I, I I said I said I said this in the chat where I was saying you guys were celebrating about being in first place. How long did that last? Uh, I mean, oh, damn, honestly, right out of the gate with the punches already. Hey, I was ready for it. Hey, honestly, <laughs> if you think about it, Memphis never sees the number one spot, especially in the West. Um, so when we do get it, we have to celebrate it. We have to like, we gotta let people know that we're there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's best in the West. Uh, we do relate with the the Spurs do relate in the Grizzlies that there's no barely any media attention except for when it's everything negative. So we understand that. So uh, first things first, uh, what should we be expecting from these new look Grizzlies? Uh, well, it's hard to hard to really judge it by one game because we've only had one game with them, and Valanciunas, you know, Valanciunas is even in, in the game yet. So um, is he still out with that injury, that hand injury? I think he's good to come back, actually, because okay. right before he was traded, they, the um, Raptors said that he was healthy to come back. Oh, yeah, and they, I, I saw they, something on the, I saw something about this online. I'm not sure if this is true, so don't quote me on this, but I think it has something to do with his immigration papers. And I, like again, again, don't quote me on that, but I've seen that numerous times online about that's why he's not been able to play. Oh my God, what happened? This doesn't make sense, but. What happens if his trade doesn't go through and he has to go back to the Raptors in Canada? And then they end up getting Mark Gasol and Jonas? Oh, my God. No way. That's not I'm just we, get, we get Mark back <laughs> if that happens. <laughs> but so you guys traded away, I want to say, you guys traded away Mark Gasol, Michael Finley, Garrett Temple. In return, you guys got Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, uh, CJ Miles, Avery Bradley, and Tyler D- Dorsey. Um, who are the guys that you're excited about and who are the guys that you just don't really care about coming into the team. Um, obviously, Valanciunas is huge. Um, Valanciunas is a young guy. I've heard him. Um, I've heard him work a lot, as in like he's a, a younger Mark. So it'd be interesting to see him once he finally gets in, um, get some minutes with us. Uh, the another one, another one is CJ Miles, and we saw that from the last game uh, against the Pelicans. Temporary, he only got 13 points, but you can tell he's got that fire in him. During our grit and grind era, you know, with with Zebo and all, and that that core four group that we had, it's that different style of play. And I, the best analogy to say to use is like a stick in the mud. People say when they play Memphis, it's like playing in the mud. We're that team yes. that W. And so CJ Miles has got that fire. Um, really care about. To be honest, I've never been an Avery Bad- Bradley fan. It's cool having him, I guess, but it's I've never really been a fan of him. But Dorsey, I think he just got. I don't know what deals him. He's something. Is last last I heard. So, because I know that I, really, uh, I forgot who uh, you guys traded Shelvin Mack to, and because Shelvin Mack just got real waved by that. What a team that you guys traded him to. So, 
Yeah, he uh, he got traded to Atlanta. Actually, that was the t- Tyler Dorsey trade. Yes, yeah, for you know, free. So, but you guys, I think the biggest surprise of the free agency or not free agency. Keep saying kind of free agency. This is the fifth time I called it that. Uh, the trade deadline was that you guys did not trade uh, Mike Conley. What was your thinking or feelings on that one? Oh, it was a deep sigh of relief when I saw that. I was so happy. I'm, Mike Conley, personally though, that's I guess that's a biased view because Mike Conley's always been my favorite player um, when he was with Ohio State. You know, I was not really following him as much as I do now, obviously, but uh, definitely started noticing him in college. And then when he came here, he really didn't get much uh, publicity out of it. Um, he was he was drafted pretty high, but he, he didn't get um, much recognition for it. Uh, but ever since, you know, ever since he's been with the Grizzlies, I, my first, uh, well, I'll say the second jersey I ever bought was a Mike Conley jersey. Um, and I just have Conley posters around the house. Got a couple things signed. Oh, he's my favorite player. So definitely keeping Mike was a thing that ever happened. Um, I, trading Mark sucked too, but I kind of expected him to leave. And be so much and he just, just passed problems and injuries. So. So how does so and and this is just a quick question just because I mean the, the Grizzly and the Spurs share a lot of similarities in the sense that you know you have these these guys these core foundation guys like Mark and like Mike that are similar to your Tim Duncan your Tony Parker and and your Manu Ginobili where they stay in the same spot you know you don't see them in the headlines a lot so how did how did that feel to lose Mark and then in, inversely how does that feel to keep Mike but at the same time you know him I mean and this is kind of just speculating that the Grizzly are not going to make the playoffs but how do you how does that feel to keep Mike and and potentially just kind of go through the year with him not making not having that chance to go to the playoffs but also adding having Jaron Jackson Jr. as well okay that's a bunch of mixed feelings that's a loaded question um so I'll put it this way all right um Take it one at a time. So, so Marcus, yeah, sorry, so Marcus, right? Marcus, um, obviously that hurt. We kind of got used to that. Um, cause our core four kind of started breaking up last year when we traded Zebo or Zach Randolph. And so we kind of like already knew that the core four era was done. Um, the next up, you know, the next biggest trade would have been Mark or Mike. We all, we all were expecting it. Uh, but when Mark got traded to Toronto and him going anywhere else, just cause, you know, he went to one of the, he went to, if not the best team in the East right now. So he's definitely going to the playoffs. Uh, so that's good for him. So everybody's kind of proud for him on that. Uh, as far as Mike being here, not probably not making the playoffs this year, uh, Mike shows it through, and this doesn't get any media attention. You, you see how much charity work and just community work that Mike Conley's involved with. I mean, it's anything, anything you can think of. There's Mike Conley has something to do with it, or he has some sort of event that he's doing there to support someone. So the city loves Mike Conley, and Mike Conley knows it. And Mike Conley loves the city, obviously. So else isn't going to hurt, or isn't really going to change anything um, as far as him. How to word it right? But no, there, I mean, it doesn't really hurt. Of, there's a lot of mutual respect for for Mark and and for Mike Conley. I mean, because just like you you mentioned earlier, um, the Grizz, you know, the Grizzlies have that, like you say, stick in the mud, that grit and grind mentality, and and they've given the Spurs some of the best playoff series, you know, that we could ever remember. And it's always, whenever the Spurs and the Grizzlies go at it, you know, it's going to be a defensive battle and, you know, it's going to be those low scoring games, but you're going to see two teams that are just duking it out. And, and it's always amazing whenever we go up, whenever the Spurs go up against Grizzlies. So 
So yeah, there's a lot of mutual respect between the two organizations for sure. So the question, sorry. So the question, the question was, um, you know, how do you feel about Jaron Jackson being the future, um, and the t- and the front office building around around him for the future? I think it's great. Um, see, Jaron Jackson, that's another player that the city embraced so quickly, and that's surprising. Usually, when we get a new player, it takes at least a full season to really supporting that player, but. He kind of got in a situation where Chandler Parsons got injured early in the season, I think after three games. So Parsons got injured and just pushed up to the starting, their starting position and started gaining minutes. Started getting, um, I mean, look at the last four games. He averaged 20 points for a rookie, 19-year-old against – I mean, he's playing against, I don't know, think any, anybody else in the NBA, you know? And he was when he was picked up in the draft – we actually had a chance to get Luca and a chance to get Trey Young, or you know they were obviously picked before us, but we still had like the number four pick, and we went with Jaron Jackson. So even the city was like, but little he's he's probably the best besides Luca, obviously the best uh, person to be picked up in the draft last year. So building around him is exactly what we need. The only question is, can our front office do it? Because our front office is notorious for screwing things up like this. We'll have a player using and can be the future of this organization and then we'll do something stupid like trade him for a player that's not going to play for the next three years because he's in and out for injuries. Chandler Parsons. I was going to, I was going to bring that up. Like, <laughs> how do you feel about the Chandler Parsons contract? <laughs> no one, dude, no one likes that. I, <laughs> I remember when, I, I remember when he was in Dallas and people were in Dallas were complaining about his contract. And then once they got moved to Memphis, they were rejoicing. <laughs> He's probably he, he he's probably finessed the most front offices out of any NBA player. Like this this dude has probably gotten so much money and not even logged very many minutes in, and he still made a ton of money. I don't know how his agent does it. I, I don't know. That's that's a good point. All right, and then the final question because we are Spurs fans, and you guys stole Kyla Anderson from us in the off season. So how dare you? But we have to ask: How are you guys embracing Kyle Anderson? Um, I love slow mo. Right, everyone here is embraced Slobo as in, as you know, as if he's already been on the team for the last ten years for this team, in my opinion. Um, and the name Slomo, that little that slowmo Euro step he does, is, I mean, <laughs> the reaction, the reaction that, that you get from the crowd being at the Grizzlies games, you know, once they see the and when it comes out when he does that little slowmo move, the the crowd goes nuts because it always works, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we we had a we love slow mo while he was here. He was one of our first round picks, and just because he moves in slow motion, yeah, he's so effective. Yeah, it's that it's that little offbeat. I don't know what it is. It's just everyone plays at a certain speed, and then when somebody comes at you a little slower than the speed you're used to, yeah. But we're happy that slow mo is fitting in. Slow mo is still having great success in our town, even though we don't have him. We could definitely use him in their defense, but we're glad that he's doing great over there. And but would you say that the future for the Grizzlies does look somewhat bright? Uh, definitely looks brighter uh, <laughs> than when it was before the trade deadline, I guess you could say. But as far as making the playoffs or anything like that, that's not happening until next year. All right, I mean, man. we're just we're still re- still rebuilding. Yeah, still rebuilding. All right, man. Well, thank you for co- joining us here at the line. Uh, where can they find your podcast? So uh, strictly Grizzlies is available on uh, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, you can follow our Twitter page. Uh, at SG Podcast. That's the only platform we're on. We're working on an Instagram, so I'll let you know when that's happening. You can get, you can find 
strictly grisness is I, whenever I saw it first, I was really confused how to say it, but it, it's strictly grisness, right? I like strictly business. Strictly All right, grisness. I get. I don't like it now. <laughs> All right, well, you can follow Strict Gridness and SG Podcast on Twitter, and you can find them on all those other platforms. Again, thank you, Mo, for co- joining us. Thanks for having me, man. All right, man. Appreciate it, man. Have a great one. Be safe in that storm. Yeah. All right, and uh, I'll be contacting you, or I'll, I'm sure I'll comment on something when, once we win tomorrow. So. Oh, all right. All right, <laughs> we'll everyone, see. follow we'll the tw- follow the Twitter pages for the for the trash talking because that's definitely going to be a thing. But all right, when it's we come. Happening. When we come back at the line, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Spurs at the trade deadline and the buyout market, and we will talk a little bit NBA as well. We'll be back here at the line. I'm Ty Yeager, and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community, a community for podcasters created by podcasters, dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere. Rise Up is not a network. There are no contracts and no control over your content. Just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with the fellow podcasters to collaborate, create, and promote. And guess what? It doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community. Join the Rise Up podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. Again, that's bit.ly slash community and at community on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast Community. All right, and we're back at the line. So great, great visit with Mo from the Strictly Grizzly Podcast. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the Spurs at the trade deadline, or the lack of activity, we would say. And we're going to talk a little bit about the about the buyout market. So, so first, let's talk about the trade deadline before the Spurs. All right, we're done because that's essentially what happened. <laughs> Absolutely nothing happened at the trade deadline for the Spurs, or at least was seemed on the surface and on the day of the deadline. I say on the surface because it then came out that there was a report, I want to say from ESPN Deportes, that Pau Gasol reportedly tr- requested a trade before the deadline, and the Spurs just could not get anything going for them. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, it, I think I think everybody knew that they were trying they were trying to to trade it from the very beginning or from the beginning of the, the deadline season. Um, now, how urgent they were trying to get rid of him that's you know that's what's that's that's the question and that's the million dollar question it doesn't seem like they were they were trying to do everything they could um especially with pop's comments in regards to like you know what i'm not going to lose any sleep over this trade deadline so it doesn't seem like they were too urgent to let him go but um i i i think everybody did understand to a certain extent that you know, he was on the trade market. And I think there was, was a rumor out there that they were shopping him already. It wasn't until these articles came out that that was confirmed, like, hey, that Palgasol was on the trading block and they just didn't find any any suitors for it. So unfortunately, that didn't happen. But um, according to Eurohoops, which is a little bit sketchy, but according to Eurohoops, that Pau still might be off the Spurs um, as a buyout. But then some other reporters, you know, had mentioned that that's 
that's kind of a long shot and they don't think that it's going to happen. So there's a lot of conflicting reports out there about what the future with the Spurs and Powell is going to be. Um, I know a lot of Spurs fans want the buyout to come. They okay, probably okay. wanted the trade to come and they can't wait for him to get bought out. But, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. So hopefully we can see that happen and then pick up somebody that's on, uh, that's on the buyout market. I really hope the Spurs actually do a move. I've been, I've been rejoicing or I've been just begging for a Powell drop or trade. Something happened just with Powell because it's, you've seen it where some games he doesn't play a single minute. And then if he is, he's not helping the floor. He's being outrun, out athlete. He's being outplayed by every other team that he goes against. Yeah, he can, he can be decent on the offensive floor at times with some easy inside buckets or some good passing, but on defense, he's a liability on offense. He's still a liability too because he can't. He'll he'll will get beat up by these young bigs. So the one big buyout candidate I want to talk about, I do want to talk about, is Ennis Cancer. I really like Ennis, and I've liked Ennis ever since he was in OKC. The dude is young. He can be fairly athletic at times for his size. Not super, not uber athletic like Lonnie Walker type athletic, but he can still be pretty damn good on the floor. He's a good two-way guy. He can defend. He can run the rim. He's a good rim runner, essentially. And he will he would be a nice offensive option to go to on the in, on the on the inside because he can just he he can go off on scoring tangents. And it replaces a unathletic pal that's been outrun and been a liability. While Cantor can still run the floor and can still play and can still shoot. And and I believe Cantor's only like twenty six. So if you the Spurs do buy out Powell's contract. I b- believe, I'm just saying based off 2K, because that's how we all now do our test of how will something work. If it <laughs> does, if it works in 2K, it's going to work IRL. I just know it. Well, in, two, in 2K, I did drop Powell and did sign pick up Cantor for like $4 million. So, depending on what the Spurs can actually do in reality and what possible and how much money they have if they do buy out Powell because I know they're not gonna have a, they're not gonna have a lot but what are some candidates that you like well I think um if if you're going to get rid of Powell Gasol you definitely need to shore up that the front court somehow some way um Enos Cantor is an option Marquise Marquise, Marquise Morris is another option uh, he just got cleared to to come back and, and be active um, so that's an option and he's actually fairly good too. Um, all I care about is just getting Powell off, off of the Spurs roster just because of how ineffective he is. I know there's people out there that say, well, no one else is better, but that's not true. Like you said, you know, Enos Kanter, he's 26 years old and he's still putting up 14 points and, and 10 rebounds. Um, you know, he's shooting above 50% you know, field goal range and at least he's shooting some, some three pointers. And, and you're right. He, he was, he was part of that OKC team that just obliterated the Spurs, um, when they played, when it was Steven Adams, um, Enos Cantor and Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Um, he's that offensive. I mean, he's got the offensive game that the Spurs could definitely use. Now his defensive game, his defensive game could do some work, but of course, if he comes into a better system, not like the Knicks, I'm sure that his game could get better in that sense. Um, I mean, he's he's getting 
you know, he's blocking not so good, but I'm sure that, that can that can work to a better advantage if he's in a better system. So it's just his defense is is wanting, um, but it definitely he is he is definitely an offensive machine, and so that that would be nice to have. To already a pretty damn good offensive team and the Spurs plus add on, at least it would be the defensive defense might not be the best, but still I think any guy that comes out of this buyout market is going to be better than better replacement over Powell. Absolutely, and I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Except is, for Zach Randolph, because Zach Randolph's still his same age. The same thing, yeah. Exactly. No, you're right, and that's the only one that wouldn't you know move the needle for for the Spurs in any way, but. Um, no, you're right. I think, and this was this was my argument from the very beginning. It's about productivity. You know, if you're paying somebody sixteen million dollars, you want to see them get that, get something in return. And if you're not, if you're not getting something in return for that, you're you're wasting that. You might as well just sit that person down and and not do anything with that. That's essentially what's going on right now. Is they're paying Pal Gasol sixteen million dollars for nothing for for minimal productivity. You know, they're He's producing the same thing as as somebody that's coming from a G League, um, you know, somebody that's getting five, ten, five, you know, six minutes throughout the game, which is horrible. You know, you could be giving all his minutes that he's receiving, um, or at least that he was receiving a little while ago. You could have been giving that all to to Jakob, or you could be giving that to Eubanks. Um, and Eubanks has proved that he's got game; he can play the play the floor. So, um. I definitely think that they just need to replace Powell's lack of productivity with somebody that can still produce. And whether that be a large wing defender or whether that be another center, um, you know, and, and just give Hurdle and Eubanks the, the run, you know, at center, at being the backup centers, then fine. But I think they just need to replace his productivity altogether. And I think the team will be a, a little bit better. Yeah. And I know that the, I at least was reported that DeMar. DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus were trying to recruit Wes Matthews, which I could see that helping the helping the Spurs out, but he ended up with Indiana. Uh, but there's multiple there's multiple players that the Spurs could possibly use from this buyout market. It's just will they do anything? Will they take the money hit if they tr- drop if they wave Powell, or will they just ride out ride out the storm with Powell and tr- try to trade him off in the offseason or something like that? It all depends. Yeah, I think I think honestly they I mean they they have to. Um you know, they they're definitely going to going to move somebody up if they do buy out Pow. Now, how much they're going to buy him out? I doubt they will just because um come next year uh come the next season, he has that 6 million contract, so I you know, Which it's it, going to be hard for them to It's it's more man- think- it's more manageable than the 16 million though. Right, right, but again, like I don't think they're going to do anything at this point. I think with the mentality of the Spurs front front office organization has now, they're just like whatever. Let's just move along with it. Just like Pop said, you know, he's not going to lose any sleep over it. I'm sure he's not going to lose any sleep over this either. Exactly. All right, let's move into a little bit NBA. There was another. The NBA is going to be launching an investigation on more Magic Johnson slash Laker tampering. What a surprise! <laughs> And this player, we haven't heard that one before. Oh, it's not like that. We've heard th- from three other players. Well, the next player on the list is Ben Simmons of the 76ers and the Magic. Magic Johnson just can't shut up, can he? I think I think it has to do, and I think this this whole 
tampering issue is a little like finicky. Like there, there is a, um, it's kind of hard to say anything period without people pointing at you and calling for tampering. Um, now I can definitely understand the situation where, you know, Ben Simmons is saying, I'm going to go practice with magic Johnson. Like that's a huge, huge conflict of interest. You know, if, if Ben Simmons had said, you know what, I'm going to go practice with another big guard, um, or, or somebody else that's a really good, like a really good guard, you know, that's not the GM of, of the Lakers or the GM of a team, it wouldn't have been an issue. But because the fact that it was, hey, I'm going to go practice with Magic Johnson, who also happens to be, you know, the GM of the president GM of the Lakers and who, you know, I have a lot of ties with L.A. Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely tampering. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I know that this is more on Simmons because he's the one that reached out to the Lakers. But still, if you're Magic and you've already had that history of tampering, of being accused of tampering at least, you should say no. There should still be a rule, no matter what. Because to stop players and to stop stop these management guys who that can just tamper. Because you saw how it is with the with the AD situation. And that's another, another example of tampering. And we saw with Paul George where... Where, where Magic went on Jimmy Kimmel and he was given a hypothetical scenario in which he gets Paul George during free agency. And right, yeah, quote-unquote. I know that some of it isn't directly, but still there needs to be a deeper look at the tampering at the tampering looks. After the, I think they're... At the tampering no, think, rules and I all this. I think you're right, but there also needs to be stricter fines. Exactly. Because like a $50,000 fine is nothing. Uh, somebody did the math on it and that was like... That was for Anthony uh, Davis, by the way. Right, like a small know. percentage of his of, of his salary. I mean, he made, he makes more than 50000 in one quarter. So yeah, I definitely think that there needs to be harsher repercussions for stuff like this. Um, and I think we're seeing a, a lot of good conversation come out of it with um, you know, with these smaller markets being affected by, you know, these all-star, these all-star players not wanting to play in these markets because these larger markets are, are more enticing and, you know, they're offering a larger salary cap, you know, but at the same time, they're not always the most effective or the most winning, you know, organizations. So I think we're seeing a lot of good conversation or a lot of discussion starting to come out of this about, you know, about players' contracts and about, and about tampering. And I think this next um, CBA meeting um, is going to be pretty intense in regards to that because there's going to be a lot of issues with with these larger markets and, and whether or not they're going to be punished harsher for, for trying to interfere and tamper with, uh, you know, with retaining, with the smaller markets retaining their, their all-stars and or their I, star players. I think the other thing that needs to be looked at is agents because Simmons' manager... You guessed it is Rich Paul, who is mm-hmm. also the manager for LeBron, Anthony Davis, also Dejounte Murray, which gives Spurs fans a little bit of worry too. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, <laughs> it's and 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 that right then right then and there you know that should raise a red flag and say like okay there's there's way too many connecting lines between these players that um, that needs to be looked at and whether or not we can still continue this way. I know choosing your agent should be um, your choice ultimately, but it's, there is an issue when, when your agent also represents people in different teams, you have no idea what's going on in the background. And so it's, it's not, 
it's I know that agents managing players of other teams. There's one I forgot. I was looking at all the manager lists or the agent lists, and there's one agent that has like twenty different like top paying players. But still, you haven't seen tampering connected to a players with this same agent. You're now you saw it with LeBron with AD, and now you're seeing LeBron with Simmons. These are all rich pole type guys, and it's right. You need. I wouldn't say keep look at all the managers, but you gotta definitely looking at kind of look at Rich Paul and see what the hell he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Maybe extend that fine into into them, you know, or charge them a fine for for this tampering and kind of, um, you know, maybe that might make some punitive punitive changes where it's like, oh shit, as a manager, I don't want to take this fine or I don't want to be be barred from you know, from speaking to NBA players because of my past or what I've done in the past. So yeah, they definitely need to extend these, um, these consequences to not only the player, but to everybody that's involved for sure. Exactly. So, all right, moving on to our final segment of the night. So we didn't really have any stupid tweets. I just can't really find any. So, but we're going to do a start a new segment called Twitter questions, which we're going to, I'm going to post a, a thing on Twitter every week, right before we, the day we record and get questions from you guys, the listeners. And so these uh, are questions that we got from Twitter that either reply to that or tag us with at hashtag at the line. So the first question comes, fr- comes from uh, the se- Fofofo76 podcast, who are also part of the Pulse Podcast Network. They they asked, will the Spurs sign Pau Gasol to a five-year extension now or in the summer? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I was like, Boy, bastard! <laughs> shut the hell up! And then, but he, he replied with this serious question. Also, I I love. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> uh, no, but, in the Spurs, they will sign Pau to an extension. <laughs> knowing, uh, but the serious question: uh, What do you see as a Spurs ceiling in the playoff seating? Who would be the best playoff matchup that would benefit the Spurs in the most likely to occur matchup? So first, let's get the first part of what's this seating for the for the Spurs for playoff seating. Um, you know what? I think the Spurs um, have punched above their 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 weight class um, this this year. A lot of experts, NBA experts, were writing them off and saying that they weren't even going to you know be in the playoffs or the run for the playoffs, and they were going to be a lottery team. So I think the Spurs at this point, realistically speaking, um, you know they're they're doing very well for for what they were expected to do. Now I think the Spurs of December, like the November, December, January time, that's their peak, and that's where they should be at. And and that Spurs team um, was a top four Spurs team. There is there is no team that could beat them, mm-hmm. and and that's essentially what they should be playing at all the time. Unfortunately, you know injuries have occurred, um, and rotations have been messed up, so they need to get Ow. back to that. But I think I think the the peak they can be is I don't think they're going to be a top three team there's no way that they're going to be better than the Golden State Warriors there's no way that they're going to be better than than OKC um, and there's no way that they're going to be better than uh, I would even maybe say Houston um, just because with Harden how he's playing and then Clint Capella and Chris Paul you know Houston has still has a really good team in place so it, it, those those for sure are the top three three teams? I mean, maybe Portland. You can interchange Houston and Portland, but I think any anywhere outside of the four spot is where the Spurs can peak at and they can get up to. Um, 
the worst is, of course, obviously not being in the playoffs at all. But I honestly thought when we were coming into the season from the very beginning, the Spurs were always going to be probably the middle of the pack. And I think it was between the five and the seven seed where they sit right now. So I think as long as the Spurs can continue just to, to win these games and grind out these games, they should be fine. Even if they end up, you know, a seventh or eighth seed, that's okay. Um, we, we saw them but, end up as a seventh seed last season, and they got matched up against the Warriors in the first round. But st- still, the Spurs, without Kawhi Leonard and just a lot of injuries that last season, they were still able to get a seventh, a seventh seed. And looking at the logistics of the this season, they're definitely not going to be a top three. Because you got Golden State, Denver, and Oklahoma City. And I was going to call you out and forgetting about Denver. And Denver is whatever. So, <laughs> so Oklahoma City is four games out from Golden State and Denver's thir- three games out. The next team on that list at the fourth seed is Portland and they are seven game, seven games out. The Spurs mm-hmm. are nine and a half games out. So they can reasonably peak at that fourth seed. And I think they, sh- if they are going to be successful in the playoffs or get somewhat, do some of a run, they need that home court advantage at the fourth seed. But I don't see them ending at eighth seed. I see them coming back with with Derek. So I see them being that middle of the pack f- between the fourth to sixth seed, maybe seventh seed to me. But this Spurs team is better than it has shown in this four game losing streak, especially without Derek. But once Derek gets back and the team gets back in the flow of things, especially having a good rest break at the All Star break for about two weeks, this team should be better. Their defensive rotation rotation should be set up. And I expect this team to be a four, a four to six team seed. Yeah, no, and and we saw it. Um, like I said, we saw it earlier where Derek was was the catalyst to a lot of that. And um, and the good thing that the Spurs have going for them is they have one one of the easier schedules in the conference or in yeah in the Western Conference. So hopefully they can make up some ground. And right now they're jockeying for position with the Clippers and and the Kings. So, and the Kings and Clippers, I believe, have pretty tough schedule um, coming up. And not the toughest, but pretty tough schedule. Yeah. So, hopefully, they can they can make some ground between between those teams and and don't finish anything less than the seventh, the sixth or seventh seed. Now, at the at seventy sixers foes, second part to that question: Who is it? Who would be the pr- premier matchup for us, or and who would be the bad matchup? The matchup I would say the Spurs need to avoid, or the or the Kings. The Kings. Team will outpace them every night. Um, no, I, I, I don't, I don't believe so. I think, uh, I think the Kings, because we, the Spurs have gone, I believe it's either fifty percent or three and one with them. So, so they have beaten them. I think the, of course, the bigger issues are going to be like with Golden State, um, and with with Oklahoma. Um, the, the, Spurs, the, nemesis. the Spurs can still play against Oklahoma, and they showed they showed it. The not Denver in a playoff, a, in a playoff setting. In a playoff setting, I don't know. I mean, it's different in a playoff yeah. setting. Denver, I think Denver is such an unknown to me. Right, and I think I think Denver is one of those those teams that the Spurs match up well, pretty well with. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, they still they still have some some spots that are that are going to make the the Spurs a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, they're a little bit longer than the Spurs are, so I think they would still match up pretty well with them, though. Um, but I think with with Sacramento is, you know, you know what you're getting with Sacramento. It's going to be a lot of speed and a lot of quickness and a lot of transition basketball. So, if Pop game plans better than than anyone in the league. I mean, he's like Bill Belichick when it comes to game planning. He understands what he needs to do and how to get his team prepared. 
We're, so we're not saying that he's like Belichick in any other way besides game planning. <laughs> besides no. game planning, right. Besides exactly. game planning and <laughs> and having a team that's been winning for 20 years. So um, I, I think the Kings the Kings are, are uh, while it's a good matchup, I think the Spurs are, are good with them. But I think the worst matchup is probably going to be obviously with Golden State um, and OKC because for some reason we can never stop Russell Westbrook and Paul George. We don't have anybody to stop Paul George. Um, and he's playing MVP level right now. Exactly. So I would not want to see them in the playoffs where, you know, they've, and, and now they have Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, they have a lot of good pieces and Nerlens Noel, like they have a lot of good pieces around um, that core of Russell Westbrook, Paul George and, and Steven Adams. So I wouldn't definitely not want to see them, but I think the Kings would be a good, a good matchup. Um, Houston obviously would be a good matchup. You pretty much just have to protect or try to basically just have James Harden beat you. If you know, make him beat you by himself. Take out everybody else and you know, let him get his and whatever. He can score his forty, fifty points, whatever he wants, but as long as you take away his other pieces, you should you should win that game. Um and by that time James Harden's probably gonna be super exhausted and we've seen how that how that um how that, how that all comes down to the end of the season. We've and, seen it before happen. And add on that Derek White can actually put some really good defense and has put up good defense against Harden before. Right, right, exactly. All so right. I think I think the you know the Spurs have have a few good matchups they can be. Nightmare matchups are always going to be your Golden State Warriors, your um, OKC stuff like that. All right. Uh, next question is by Jay Malin. I'm sorry, man. I can't say his name. J M E L A N Sun Malinson. Melanson. He's he's part of the, he's part of recap the NBA daily recap. You can follow him at Twitter at recap underscore NBA. I'm sorry, man, I butchered that name. Uh, he asks, is Dejounte Murray the guaranteed starter when he returns, or has Derek White made a case for himself going forward? Do you want to take that one first? Yeah, <laughs> I want to say it's a mixed bag. I want to say that just because both have played, both are great defenders, and I could easily see. DeJounte, most likely with the most experience, would have that starting role, depending on his injury recovery at that time, which whenever he comes back, which is most likely in the beginning of next season, I do see him having the starting point. But I, got, I can also see rotations and starting lineups where they have DeJounte at the one and Derek White at the two while starting DeMar at the three. Having a, that weird, kind of a small ball lineup in a way. But it, so it's. The lineups I always envision once DeJounte gets back is DeJounte, Derek White, DeMar, Rudy, and LaMarcus. So it's a small ball lineup, but when you have those two at the one two, those are that's a great defensive guard duo. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you hundred uh, percent. I don't I, I I don't understand why a lot of Spurs fans were in even thinking about like, oh well now you have to trade away DeJounte because we have Derek. I don't understand mentality at all. Like, why would you, why would you want to have this problem of, of like forcing yourself against each other saying, Hey, we need to get rid of one good defender because now we have another guy. No, that's not that's how, not how, how works. this works. Like but, you don't, you don't, you don't want to put yourself in that position where you ship some, someone off just because you have another guy that's coming in and doing really well. Um, so I agree with you hundred percent. I think that the way that it works next year is, um, you know, DeJounte at the one, Derek White at the two, and then, you know, everybody else falls in line. And then what you do throughout the game is you stagger their minutes. Exactly. Because Derek White can run the offense, so you know that he's going he's he can be put into into the backup role where he runs the that backup or 
you know, you keep him in, in the starting line and then you put De, um, DeJounte in, in the backup. It just depends. It all depends on... Um, on it comes as a game strategy, essentially. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I think I think ultimately is DeJounte. Um, DeJounte is the, probably the best defensive defensive player we have as well as um he he has a motor like this this kid just can go and go uh-huh. and go and he, he he has the rebounds so we need to see how his shot works or how he's developed his shot to see okay is he going to go to the two or is he going to stay at the one but we know that Derek white at this point right now has the better shot than Dejounte at this point in time obviously we don't know what Dejounte's or how well Dejounte's has developed his shot yet, and how it's going to especially coming off come the play, how it's going to come to play in the game. But we know that Derek White is a better shooter, so you put him at the two spot while Dejounte runs the offense. I know that if we were really, I was really excited about Dejounte because all the all the stuff I saw on social media during the offseason was him shooting a three shot, and it was really nice. And now, since I, he hasn't been able to be mobile on his legs, I do believe that he's. I bet he's been upgrading that jump shot this whole time because I've heard players where they were immobile from the leg injuries, so they sat in a chair and just shot, just shot continuously and improved their jump shot as a result. So, I would be excited. I think Dejounte will have a better shot once he gets back. But to answer the question, Dejounte Murray is a guaranteed starter when he returns. Yeah, I think so too. At this point, and you're right. I, I think that. DeJounte is going to come back. I mean, he even looked really good that first game um, or that first preseason game where he got injured. Yeah. I mean, he was, he looked way more confident in his shot and it was going down a lot smoother. So, yeah, I think this whole year to finesse that um, has, even though, you, you know, even though you don't want to think about, oh, it's, you know, or his injury is, it's kind of been like a blessing in disguise where he can focus on that shot and make it better. Exactly. All right, uh, next question is by Montreal Smith 9 or at Montreal Smith 9. What are some moves you'd like to see the Spurs make roster-wise in the offseason, if any? And definitely build up defense, defense is on my end. Probably put some wing depth, re-sign Rudy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, all of those. Um, you know, Spurs have two first-round picks, um, so we either go... I think they they should just use both of those picks on on large wing defenders perimeter defenders yeah because you still have you know eubanks as other spurs still have eubanks have pertle and have militanov in you know in the euro league so your 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 center position your your big guy position is pretty much covered um and we have to start thinking about la so we need to the spurs need to find a power forward that can replace him a good bang some productivity and then, um, and then you have to replenish the the wing depth that we lost, that the Spurs lost. So, um, I think they should probably use those two first, and probably even that that third to to shore up the you know the the three four spot on their on their roster. And then, obviously, get rid of Powell's contract. Um, if you can restructure, I don't even know if that's a thing in basketball, but if you can restructure Patty's contract somehow to not be such of a cap hit definitely do that or you know um i don't think i think patty's honestly gonna gonna retire spurs so if like i said if they can um stretch out his his contract a little bit more in that way it's not such a hard cap hit obviously do that so that way you can make some more room um if you can resign rudy for the right price of course don't overpay him because he's already 
on the other side of 30 and you know he's coming off or he's getting better from his knee injury but you can use that money to sign a younger probably as productive person so yeah, you no. know there's definitely right now at this point i think it's it's all about focusing on people that can that can play defense and at the same time can knock down their shots and i know that sounds like a lot but that's essentially what we've lost over the past few years and that's what they need so, yeah depth and defense no arguments with what you said all right, and the this Montreal also asked uh, if do you follow any college? I follow a little bit of college. All right, I th- um, one of one of my friends um, or one of uh, follow oh, somebody that I follow, um, or I have I follow a lot of people that have great college insight, and, and eventually um, we will do a podcast with with looking at some prospective players for the Spurs. All right, so, uh, so he asked if if you follow college prospects. Who would you like to see the Spurs draft? Uh, to keep it short, uh, just give me one of the top players that you like. Um, so there is, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but his last name is Tibble, and I think he's from uh, the University of Washington. So another Washington guy. Yeah, another oh, Washington. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, it's a Nar I think he's friend of Dejounte or something like that. Yeah, that, that can and, also and play he, defense. Like, Right, that kid is looking so good, and he can shoot. He can knock down those threes. Like he is, he's probably, probably like Danny Green of old, but a much better Danny Green, <laughs> as far as as far as shooting wise goes. Or I guess he's he's a bigger Danny Green. All right, well that that would help with the wing wing defense. All right, right and the, the final D. final question uh, from NBA Fantasy Cast or at Ballify NBA, who would you like to see replace Pop when he retires? Nobody, damn it, nobody. I, I, I was going to take the more reasonable approach. <laughs> um, the any assistant coach off that bench is a good is a good choice. Um, if it's you know if it's Montori, who's who was the pop of Euro League, or if it's Be- or it's Becky Hammond, or uh, how do you, Imu uh, Idoka? Imu Idoka. I always see, I always like putting Idoka as my replacement coach if Pop re- retires in two K. I think I think it honestly. I mean, as it looks right now, Idoka has been at Pop's right hand, you know, right hand man for the longest time. So I think if it just goes down the hierarchy, it's, it's going to go to Idoka. Um, but I think Messina is a lot more polished as far as as being the head coach, um, as, far as being a coach. Period. And we even saw it in I think I don't know if it was this year or last year. I think it was last year. It was when last Pop- year. It was last year when during the Pop, playoffs when uh, Pop's wife died. He filled in. Right, exactly. He filled in. And he did a great job. I mean, the the rotations he played was very smart. The plays he drew up were were exactly what, you know, very Poppy, Popovichian. So I think Messina probably has the lead on everybody at this point right now. Um, if I were going outside of, of Pop's current disciples... Um, I know this is going to be kind of blasphemous because we just lost to them or Bruce just lost to him, but I like Quinn Snyder. I think Quinn Snyder has done an excellent job with the Jazz, and he's also one of those other other coaches that's very cerebral. Um, so I think he he would be a great one. And then there's a a lot of people keep saying a college coach. I can't remember his name. I have and, no clue. I don't follow too much too much college basketball. There's 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 a college coach. I, I can't remember, but he has connections to Popovich, and I think he's also a coach on the USA team. But uh, they say he's really good too. So. But right now, I think that if I were to put my money on anybody, it'd probably be Messina, Messina, or anyone on inside the inside the organization at the moment. So right, 
But all right, you have anything else to round up with those questions? Recap anything like that? No, that's good. I mean, I think we had a good good podcast today. Thank you guys for coming. Sorry, the Spurs have not done so well these past few games, but we'll turn it around. Just have faith. Stay strong. Go Spurs, go. All right, well, you can check us out at our home base at AppTheLionPodcast.com, or you can also find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Please support any of our sponsors. They help us fund, allow us to do what we are doing right now. Uh, you can also find us at Twitter at, at the Lion Pod. You can find the Strictly Grizzness podcast at SG Podcast on Twitter as well. We have merchandise that's still on sale. We... If you do go to the store at PulsePodcastNetwork.com slash shop, you can get 10% off your purchase using the code PPNLAUNCH. That's Pulse Podcast Network abbreviated PPNLAUNCH for 10% off your purchase. We have at the line hoodies, at the line t-shirt. Hey, the guy is dr- Hold on. I never got to use my drop today. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. <laughs> we got that hoodie. Um, and we have that in t-shirt as well. Hoodies are $35 and, and t-shirts are 20 Again, and yeah, it's a bit high price, but it helps helps fund us and it help do us what we're doing right now. Plus, you can rep us. And they're pretty kick-ass designs too. So, go buy some go buy some merch. Um, you can find find me and Mac on Twitter at, at Ty Yeager Radio, Yeager, J-A-G-E-R, and at Mac Pen Media. Um, at the line is part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Visit PulsePodcastNetwork.com for more podcasts like ours, or you can download the app in the Apple App Store or on the Google Play Store today. Mac, any last words? No, guys. Just, again, stay strong. We'll get through this season. Go Spurs, go. Go Spurs, go. We'll see you again here at the line. <laughs>